Welcome to Investment Matters, the Newton Investment Management podcast. Uh, I'm Matt Goodman from the Investment Communications team, and today I'm delighted to be joined by Brian Blungersteiner, who is a thematic strategist uh, over in Boston. Brian, welcome. It's good to have you with us today. Yeah, thank you so much, Matt. It's great to be here. Brian's been working quite closely um, with the investment team on some of our building out of our thematic work, which is obviously part of our fundamental um multidimensional research. So I'm going to start really by taking a step back. Um, We obviously as uh, Newton and what was then Mellon Investments uh, Corporation came together in in September 2021. Um, I think both firms previous to that had their own thematic output. Having had these two different uh, um, houses coming together and perhaps you could just explain your role in in, how we build out our thematic process together. Yeah, absolutely. So, yes, we've had a long history uh, at Newton, both on the legacy London, the legacy Boston side, investing in themes, looking at themes, identifying themes and using this as part of our framework for our fundamental equity research. So over the past year, we've worked on really bringing those two groups together and there's been some evolution of the themes but nothing has changed in terms of the way that we approach identifying themes and the way that we use those themes within our research platform and our framework. So we've always believed that themes represent powerful transformational micro and macro shifts across economies and industries and that they're only growing in importance and that their influence on our investment landscape has never been greater. So we start with that fundamental view about themes. So my role within the the thematic landscape is to really ensure that we are bringing the best of Newton's research from the multidimensional platform to our clients and to our products. So I've been working with the investment teams, uh, both on the fixed and, and on the equity side as well, to really discuss our process for identifying themes, incorporating them into portfolios, into our investment process. And just at the highest level, our themes really serve four purposes, uh, you know, key roles within our platform. So first, they are a tool in the research agenda setting. So my background is as a consumer analyst. And so the way that the consumer was engaging with the world was changing drastically. Uh, you know, there were a lot more streaming, a lot more streaming video, streaming music. And so that helped, you know, the theme of the way that the consumer engages with the world would help to drive what stocks I wanted to do work on. Themes also provide insights uh, where appropriate for a multi-asset team to look at equities, fixed income, and their multi-asset portfolio management. The third would be from a risk allocation standpoint. So we talk a lot about the macro themes and the impact of governments, uh, and we definitely are seeing it now on the supply chain, uh, the value of the dollar. And so this helps them to really look at their risk allocation. And then we also do have thematic strategies that come out of this as well as a fourth output. Um, But again, my role is really to work with all of the teams to make sure that our process is in place, that we're sticking to our process, and that this is helping to drive our agenda, drive our research, and get the best ideas and portfolios for our clients. Let's look in a bit more detail then. Um, obviously, we have we have micro and, and macro themes um, that, that we use uh, within the framework. Um, I believe you've talked, I think, you, you say that one differentiator that we have, that we have certain areas that we're, we think give us an edge or give us a stand us apart from some of our competitors. So I think there's three areas in particular where you think we have something perhaps a little bit different to some of our peers. Do you want to just talk us through what those three elements are? 
We think we're unique with regards to three key parts of our investment process and three of the teams that we have. So the first is our private markets team. So when we're talking about themes, you know, they really help us to identify some emerging themes. They help us to identify where capital is going in the private markets. They help us to really uh, look at and analyze smaller cap companies that might be impacted, maybe became, recently became public, but we have information and insights on them from the private markets. The second team is the investigative research team. So this is a, a very exciting team. These uh, uh, folks on this team used to work for newspapers doing investigative research, and now they're part of the investment team, uh, and they provide us insights that I think that others really can't get just because they're doing such specialized proprietary work, uh, you know, on investigative projects. So an example of that would be on doing research on a mining company, a gold mining company, and looking at the treatment of the citizens of where the gold mine is located. And we ended up selling a stock because of the investigative research they did that was not uh, you know, widely known, uh, but we just did that extra work. And the third team that really excites us a lot is the research associates. So we can lean on them heavily with regards to our thematic identification, uh, you know, testing the, the TAM, the total addressable market of different themes that we're looking at, just to really provide some meat around whether or not this theme has secular growth drivers, whether or not it's investable, what the adjacencies are within the theme themselves. And so we think those three teams are really differentiators for us, and we're leaning heavily on them with regards to our thematic identification, testing the themes, ensuring the themes have validity, have legs, have you know a long-term investment time horizon from early stage to, to, to maturity. I suppose at this point we should say, I mean, I, I've touched on it already. We have, I think within the framework, stands currently and obviously things evolve over time but we've got five sort of micro theme groups groupings and obviously there's four macro theme groups um could you give us sort of a, a sense brian of how how they how they're differentiated between the micro and the macro themes and then perhaps after that we can then talk about maybe drill down a bit and look at one of the an example of each each of those so across the investment team we have fundamental equity analysts we have fixed income analysts we have multi-asset portfolio managers. We have folks that are looking at alternatives as well. So we have a quite a diverse group of investors. And so the impacts on their decision-making and on their portfolios and their process do differ quite, quite a bit across the micro and macro landscape. So again, coming back to my history as a, a fundamental equity analyst, again, I was a consumer analyst for eight years. It was really a mix of the macro and micro. So I covered you know, Chinese consumer, Indian consumer, like there's, I needed to have an opinion on uh, the trade war with China. I had to have an opinion on the COVID response that China was implementing. And these are really macro factors. And once you can get a sense and a view and, and, and an opinion on the macro factor, then you can start to look at the stocks and the fundamentals of each stock and determine if the stock is, you know, has good fundamentals, a strong balance sheet, revenue growth. Um, and so that's really the micro side of it as well. So I would just really highlight on the macro side, it's really focused a lot on setting your agenda or really giving you confidence in a sector or a segment. And this 
macro themes are driven a lot by our multi-asset team. They're driven a lot by our fixed income, our currency teams, where the government really plays a huge role within those themes. Uh, and those are key influences and drivers of, of markets and what markets are going to work, what segments, what sectors are going to work. And then again, we focus on the fundamental bottom up side from there. So do I believe that India has a strong emerging middle class? And if I do believe that uh, on the kind of macro side, then where's the emerging spend going to go within the emerging middle class within India? Are they going to buy more higher end sneakers? Uh, so that's really the the, the fundamental bottom up macro micro side. Sorry, but they do work together um, and they are key pillars of our, you know, setting our research agenda, uh, but do serve multiple purposes uh, both equally powerful. Let's have a drill down now and look at maybe take an example from each, uh, each from the micro and the macro. Do you want to give us um, a, a flavor by sort of talking us through perhaps a couple of examples, one from each? Yeah, absolutely. So great power competition is a theme, a macro theme that we've been discussing quite a bit internally and externally. There's been some interest uh, from some prospects that are really uh, focused on this. And if you really think about the way that the world is working now, uh, we've become a globalized you know, macro economy where there's trade happening across borders. And what that's led to is it's led to some friction, as we've seen recently. So we can talk about really two key parts of great power competition. So there are five sub-themes within this theme. There's the trade war, the tech war, finance war, resource competition, and security competition. So two that you know I think everybody understands these days is, is first the trade war. So uh, during Donald Trump's presidency, he you know had tariffs uh, placed on uh, you know the exchange of goods with China, and so this has really impacted the trade war and has led to developed market countries, especially wanting to bring a lot of their supply chain home so that they can control their supply chain. This also was impacted by COVID and the lockdowns in China. So there was some disruption on the supply chain. And now we're seeing the tech war. So we're seeing increasing geopolitical tensions across the globe, especially with China and Taiwan and with the majority of high-end semiconductors being produced and manufactured in Taiwan, this has created a need for reshoring. So we need to bring home our semiconductor manufacturing. And I would just like to make uh, one quick uh, you know, tie back to our investigative research team. So they did a lot of work on this. They hosted a podcast. They had a reshoring expert come in. So we like to partner with ex external experts where we, they can add value and insights for us. Um, and so they really helped us to really understand the opportunity set within reshoring driven by the trade and tech war and bring home manufacturing. And we also just recently had our research associates do a, a TAM analysis of this, and they looked at, uh, you know, healthcare, semiconductors. Uh, they looked at multiple industries and sectors and the need to bring those home because of the challenges that we have highlighted and identified within great power competition. On the micro side, you know, we have a climate subcommittee that's been working together recently to talk about all things natural capital. So if you think of, you know, global warming and the climate challenges that we've we have now as 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 a, uh, a world, as the globe, uh, there's been a lot of really interesting and exciting developments within natural capital. Uh, so we have, uh, you know, a product that is focused on the earth and, and climate, uh, but we also have other uh, analysts and, and portfolio managers that have brought us 
and raised the awareness and brought these to us of additional challenges and opportunities. So we talk about climate mitigation quite a bit, and this fits in our natural capital. And this is the uh, approach and desire to get to net zero through decarbonization and electrification. But climate adaptation is another area where we're really starting to focus and do a lot of research and analysis on where it's going to be very challenging to get to net zero. There's going to be a lot of investment needed there. So we also might need to do some climate adaptation where we're retrofitting buildings to adjust for higher winds or, or adjusting for higher sea levels or sea walls and different areas of climate adaptation. And the last is biophysical economy. You know, what are the limits of, of the, the economy and the limits of energy? And what is the energy return on energy invested going forward? And how can we diversify uh, our, our energy uh, usage to ensure that we are uh, a sustainable world going forward. So a lot of ex exciting things uh, across the landscape on the macro and micro side. That's a, a strong overview and obviously some, some good drill down examples there. On a day-to-day -day basis, how does the how does the thematic work sort of play? Um, how does it get integrated into the day-to-day the, the -day investment process at, uh, in the office? Yeah, so that's a really important point to kind of dig in on a little bit. Um, so it really is kind of throughout the whole process of the investment process itself. So we have a daily meeting, which all of our global investors attend. And at that meeting, we're providing uh, updates on, on companies. We're providing new thoughts. We're providing you know new ideas. We're uh, reassessing ideas that we have in the portfolios. And we're always trying to pull on themes. What are the thematic drivers of that stock? Uh, what are the macro factors that are involved? So uh, the team, from fixed income to equity alternatives, uh, the whole team is, when available, are at those morning meetings. So we'll have 100 people on, you know, on those calls. And so we're always trying to analyze and determine what the thematic drivers are of those stocks. And that's a big part of my job is to make sure that we are you know, pulling on those threads to make sure that we are percolating those ideas up to ensure that we're communicating those with our, with our clients as well. But in, uh, really other key forms of communication are our internal systems that we use. So we do use an internal communication system where we post our ideas, where we talk about our, you know, talk about our stocks, developments, changes in thesis, uh, you know, uh, changes in markets. And we hashtag the themes within there as well. So we can see what is trending, what themes are being discussed. Our quant team runs a monthly report that looks at the mentions of each of these themes. Also, when we initiate on a company or post an update or a change of opinion or change of rating, we do have a thematic rationale, which we publish there as well. So it really highlights each of the micro or macro themes that are impacting a stock. So we can see what the trends are within those uh, if a theme is coming in favor or out of favor. Uh, and the last thing we have is we have quantitative tools. So we have completed uh, quantitative analysis of the universe of stocks, looking at our 18 micro themes and our five, uh, sorry, our uh, four macro themes. And we've run a natural language processing analysis uh, quantitatively to determine the thematic intensity and beta of each of the securities in the universe to these themes. Uh, looking at call transcripts, company descriptions, revenues, uh, and this really guides us and helps us to determine what the thematic intensity of, of a stock is. 
So the way we use this tool is if an analyst is very excited about natural capital electrification, they can go and they can look at their coverage. They can look at the, the electrification theme and then they can find their stocks the highest thematic intensity in beta to this theme. And then again, that helps to set their research agenda. They can then look for, you know, do the fundamental analysis on specific names and deliver that message to the portfolio managers. And the portfolio managers themselves can look at their portfolio and really understand what thematic intensities, thematic exposures they have to each of our themes, because they might have interest in adding or reducing exposure to a theme that excites them. So it's really end to end from our internal uh, you know, verbal communication to our written communication to our quant tools really gives us a lot of powerful tools to assess themes uh, you know, from initiation right through to purchasing or selling securities uh, based on the portfolio manager's process or, or guiding, you know, what they're trying to get exposures to. Thanks, Brian. I think that was a, a pretty good overview, a good starting point for our discussion around how we how we approach thematic research at Newton uh, and obviously plenty of uh, tools and levers at our disposal. Um, I should say at this point that obviously the themes are not a static thing. They will evolve over time. So we will keep returning to to, to our themes um, on future Investment Matters podcasts. But for now and for today, I'd just like to say Thank you very much to Brian, uh, and we will catch you all again very soon. Analysis of themes may vary depending on the type of security, investment rationale, and investment strategy. Newton will make investment decisions that are not based on themes and may conclude that other attributes of an investment outweigh the thematic structure the security has been assigned to. Newton Investment Management North America LLC, NIMNA. NIMNA, or the firm, is a registered investment advisor and subsidiary of the Bank of New York Mellon Corporation, BNY Mellon. The firm was established in 2021, comprised of equity and multi-asset teams from an affiliate, Mellon Investments Corporation. The firm is part of the group of affiliated companies that individually or collectively provide investment advisory services under the brand of Newton or Newton Investment Management, Newton. Newton currently includes NIMNA and Newton Investment Management Limited, NIM. Any statements of opinion constitute only current opinions of NIMNA, which are subject to change and which NIMNA does not undertake to update. This publication, or any portion thereof, may not be copied or distributed without prior written approval from the firm. Statements are correct as of the date of the material only. This document may not be used for the purpose of an offer or solicitation in any jurisdiction or in any circumstance in which such offer or solicitation is unlawful or not authorised. The information in this publication is for general information only and is not intended to provide specific investment advice or recommendations for any purchase or sale of any specific security. Some information contained herein has been obtained from third-party sources that are believed to be reliable, but the information has not been independently verified by NIMNA. NIMNA makes no representations as to the accuracy or the completeness of such information. No investment strategy or risk management technique can guarantee returns or eliminate risk in any market environment, and past performance is no indication of future performance.
The indices referred to herein are used for comparative and informational purposes only and have been selected because they are generally considered to be representative of certain markets. Comparisons to indices as benchmarks have limitations because indices have volatility and other material characteristics that may differ from the portfolio, investment or hedge to which they are compared. The providers of the indices referred to herein are not affiliated with NIMNA, do not endorse, sponsor, sell or promote the investment strategies or products mentioned herein, and they make no representation regarding the advisability of investing in the products and strategies described herein. Any forward-looking statements speak only as of the date they are made and are subject to numerous assumptions, risks and uncertainties which change over time. Actual results could differ materially from those anticipated in forward-looking statements. If distributed in the UK, EMEA, Australia, New Zealand, this podcast is issued by NIM and may be deemed a financial promotion. NIM is authorised and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority, FCA, 12 Endeavour Square, London, E20 1JN, in the conduct of investment business. Registered in England, number 01371973. NIM is also registered as an investment advisor with the Securities and Exchange Commission, SEC, to offer investment advisory services in the United States. If distributed in Canada, this podcast is issued by NIMNA, which is availing itself of the International Advisor Exemption, IAE, in the following Canadian provinces. Alberta, British Columbia, Ontario and Quebec, and the Foreign Commodity Trading Advisor Exemption in Ontario. The IAE is in compliance with the National Instrument 31103 registration requirements, exemptions and ongoing registrant obligations.